This morning we're continuing our sermon series, Seeking, Asking Questions from the Bible, and uh, this morning we're going to be reading from John chapter 9, the, the story of Jesus healing the man who is blind. This story is actually a longer story. It goes, I think, some 45 verses in the Gospel of John. I want to encourage you to, to read the entire story, but I'm just going to read verses 1 through 17. This is found on page 871 in your pew Bible, and so you can turn to that if you want to follow along. But before we read that together, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will. For all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. To God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, John chapter 9, beginning with the first verse. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, it is he. Others were saying, no, but it's someone like him. He kept saying, I'm the man, I'm the man. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes open? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight, and he said to them, He put mud on my eyes. Then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened, and he said he was a prophet. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. For every child, there are critical moments in your life where you observe your parents getting older. The first time I remember observing this as a child, I was probably a teenager in fact I was sitting watching television and I looked over at my parents sitting on the couch and both of them were wearing glasses they've been wearing glasses for many years now another time that happened several years later was when I noticed that they were starting to forget things this was particularly distressful because they were the ones who helped me find things when I forgot things most distressful of all was when those two things converged. 
and they started to forget their glasses. This happened to us while we were home for Christmas, when we were up in South Carolina for Christmas. We were all eating together out at a restaurant, and uh, I was there, my, my parents were there, Julianne was there, my brother and his family were there as well. The waiter came over, handed the menus to all of us, and my dad looked at the menu and said, I can't read it, and I forgot my glasses. He leaned over to my mom and said, I need to borrow your glasses, please. She reached into her purse, pulled out her readers, he put them on, and he could see the menu. But in that moment, something very dear, very inspirational happened. My little nephew, Grady, looked at my father and said, his grandfather, and said, Gigi, can you see what Nana sees? You see, in his dear and innocent mind, he somehow realized that all of us see the world in a little different way. And wouldn't it be incredible if we could put on each other's glasses, put on each other's eyes, and see the way someone else sees the world? I have been told throughout my life that a good definition of grace is trying on God's glasses. Trying to see the world the way God sees the world. Trying to see other people the way God sees other people, with grace and love and mercy and forgiveness and compassion. And I feel like that's exactly what Jesus is trying to get all of us to do in the story this morning from the Gospel of John. He's trying to get the disciples to see this, the neighbors to see this, the Pharisees to see this, the man who was blind to see this, and he wants us to see it too. Jesus has been in Jerusalem for a few days. He's gotten into some trouble with the Pharisees already, and he and the disciples are walking in front of the temple, and it's there while they're walking around, they look and they see a man who is blind sitting on the side of the road. The disciples ask a curious question. Who sinned? Was it him or his parents? Gives us a little insight into the theology of the time. Apparently, they seem to believe that everything happens for a reason. Have you heard that before? The disciples believe that if this man was blind, it was for a reason. It was somebody's fault. Either he had committed a sin when he was a baby, or his parents had committed a sin, and he was now facing the consequences of that sin. That was the theology of the time. And while I think that might sound a little foreign to us today, that instinct of cause and effect is not foreign to us. When we see happy things, good things, joyful things happen in the world, we sometimes ask, how did that happen? We'd like to know what was the cause of that so maybe we can cause those good things to happen in our own lives. And when we see bad things happen in the world, naturally we ask, what was the cause of that? Because we would like to figure out how those bad things happen so we can avoid those bad things in our lives. And so the disciples ask, whose fault is it? Who's to blame? What's the cause of this? Did he sin or did his parents sin? And Jesus answers, no one sinned. Neither he nor his parents sinned. That is the nature of the world. But yet even now, God's work will be done. Even so, God's work will be done. 
Now, I want to pause here and chase a tangent in my sermon because I think it's important. It's real easy to get distracted by Jesus' answer here because the way the translation is written, it says, He was born this way so that God's work might be done through him. If we hear it that way, it sounds like maybe God made him blind when he was born and made him suffer all throughout his life so that in this moment, God's glory could be revealed, that Jesus' identity could be revealed. But if we believe that to be true, we're really no better than those disciples and those Pharisees who believe that everything happens for a reason. And in fact, if you read other parts of the gospel, you will see that Jesus says this is not true either. There are other parts of the gospel where Jesus proclaims the rain falls on the just and the unjust. What that means is good things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people because we are all human. Or maybe during the season of Lent, a better way to say it, We are all ashes and dust. He looks at the disciples and says, we are all human, we are all ashes and dust, but guess what? God's work can be done with ashes and dust. And he spits down in the ground and rubs mud on his eyes and tells him to go bathe in the pool of Siloam and his vision is restored. But it's the disciples who see. It's the disciples who realize this was Jesus Christ right in our midst. It was Jesus Christ all along. This person who loved God, who had never abandoned God. And God had never abandoned him. I'll give you a little example of that from my own life. I was working at the hospital, the children's hospital in Atlanta. I worked with kidney and liver patients there. Patients who needed transplants all the time and one day I was dealing with a particularly distraught and distressed mother. She was distressed because she knew her child needed a transplant but she also didn't know anyone who could provide that transplant and so she was waiting for a donor to come along. But she also knew that for a donor to come along that it had to be an organ donor, someone who would pass away and provide their organs when they died. She looked at me and said, Brad, I want my child to live more than anything else, but how can I pray for someone to die, for something bad to happen, so that my child could live? I wish I had an answer for her in that moment, but fortunately, I went downstairs and my supervisor had a pretty good answer. She said, Brad, we don't have to pray for bad things to happen. We're all ashes and dust. Death happens every single day, every single moment. Bad things happen all the time. We don't have to pray for bad things to happen. What we're praying for is that when something bad happens, God can do something miraculous. When death happens, Jesus can bring life. Jesus is pretty good at that, if you remember the story. Jesus heals this man and the disciples see their eyes are opened and they realize that God never abandoned this man, that God was there the whole time, that God's work can happen anywhere and everywhere. They put on God's glasses and they could see. Jesus wanted the neighbors and the the Pharisees to put on those glasses too, but if you read the story, you'll see they refused. 
They were mad that this man was healed. They said, no, he's supposed to be sitting over there in the corner where we noticed him all this time. They were mad at Jesus for healing him. This is the Sabbath after all. You can't blaspheme against God that way. They wanted to run both of them out of town. Because you see, they kept their blinders on. This was not the way the world was supposed to work. They liked things the way they were. And I dare say from time to time, People around us like to keep their blinders on, too. Sometimes it's easier to turn a blind eye, to keep our blinders on, to ignore those people around us in need. It's easier sometimes to, to look at somebody who's hurting, who has lost their job, or hurting and doesn't have a home, and say, well, it's probably their fault. They did something to deserve that. It's easier to look at people who are different than us and say, oh, they're different than us. They're disobeying God. We're right, and they're wrong. It's easier to look at the pain and the suffering of the world and put our blinders on. But when we keep our blinders on, we miss. We miss the powerful, glorious, incredible work of God. And God calls us to be a part of that work. That's what Jesus says in verse 4. He says, we have to do this work. We have to do this work while it's still daylight outside, while we still have time, because when the night comes, when our death comes, our time will run out. The Pharisees wanted to keep their blinders on, but Jesus Christ said, no, put the glasses of God on and you will see. There's work to be done. I shared with you a story about a year ago this time, it was a story about a, by, written by an artist in Jerusalem. His name was Yehud Amakai, and it was a story that meant a lot to me, so I'm going to share it with you again. He was writing stories about tourists who were coming to Jerusalem to see all of the historical places there, all the religious places. They were coming from all over the world to see these wonderful, beautiful sites, these incredible places where these religious things happened. And he tells a story about a tour guide who was pointing out holy places to people. And at one point, he points to a man sitting on the side of the road trying to sell his vegetables and fruit to make money to support his family. And the tour guide says, you, you see that man sitting in the road? there will look just past him and you'll see a big beautiful Roman arch there from the first century and the tourists all stopped and took their pictures but then Yehud says the world will change the world will be redeemed when those tour guides stop and say you see that Roman arch right there pay no attention to that but look at the man sitting on the ground in front of it that man sitting there with his fruits and his vegetables. See that man. Spend your money there. That's the man who needs our help. That's the man who is loved and belongs to God. Jesus Christ wants more than anything else for these Pharisees and these neighbors to put these glasses on so when they see those people around them in need that the work of God might be done. The glory of God might be revealed in their eyes and in their actions. But those Pharisees and those neighbors, they stay blind. And you know, the person that gets lost in all this big story, it's the man who is blind. He goes from person to person, from the disciples to the neighbors, to the Pharisees, and then back to Jesus. And guess what? It takes him time 
to recognize who Jesus is too. If you go through the whole story, you'll see his eyes are open, he can see, but when the neighbors ask who Jesus was, the first thing he says is, I don't know. And then a few verses later, he goes to the Pharisees and he says, I I think that he was a prophet. And then when he gets rejected and he goes back to Jesus, his eyes are really opened and he realizes, this is the Son of God, the Son of God who healed me. Maybe that happens for us too. Times in our lives when we face pain, when we face suffering, when we face things in our life that we can't understand, it's hard for us to see that God is right there by our side. It's hard for us to understand that God still loves us and God still shows us compassion. It's hard for us to believe that God has not forsaken us. That happened to George Matheson. George Matheson was a Scottish preacher in the 19th century. He was a good Scottish preacher, by the way. He published many of his prayers and many of his sermons. He wrote many books. He even preached in front of Queen Victoria at Balmoral Castle. When he finally retired, he had a church of over 3,000 people in Edinburgh, Scotland. All of that would be miraculous enough, but what was most miraculous about that is that George Matheson was blind. He went blind at the age of 20. And when he became blind, he could have given up, but he decided he was going to continue to try to go to seminary, go to divinity school, and become a minister. And with the help of his sister, he did just that. She stayed by his side, helping him through school. She stayed by his side when he got his first church. She uh, wrote down all of his sermons that he would dictate to her. She helped him every step of the way. But that doesn't mean that he didn't ask why. Every now and then he would stop and say, why did I go blind? What did I do wrong? Whose fault is this? Is it my fault? Where are you, God? Why have you let go of me? One particular moment when he fell into pretty deep despair was when his sister finally got married and started her own family, and he felt all alone. And he asked those questions again. He got on his knees and he prayed, Why have you left me alone, O God? Why have you let me go? And in that moment, he heard a voice as clear as bell. And he said, My love will never let you go. And it was then that George Matheson wrote the hymn that we're about to sing. O love that wilt not let me go. I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life that I owe that in your ocean's depths may richer, fuller be. For the first time his eyes were opened and he knew that God was right there, never leaving him, never forsaking him, doing God's work through him. God wants us to put on those glasses too. To look at ourselves and to look at our neighbors and realize that God is right here in the midst of us. Not just in the temples, but in the people sitting on the street corner. That God's work can be done not in the high places, but in the painful places too. But We can only do that if we put on God's glasses. If we do 
we will realize once again that God loves us and is compassionate and cares for us even when the world seems like it's lost its way. If we put on those glasses, then we will see beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has called us and God has work for us to do. If we put on those glasses, then once and for all, we can proclaim, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind. Now I see. To the glory of God. Amen.